This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Just as a quick reminder, my name is Shane Larson, host of the show. We're going on almost six years now we've been doing this podcast. You know, it's in, in just over two and a half, three months. It'll be our sixth completed year, which is absolutely wild to me. I just want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. And if this is your first time listening to the show. Maybe you know our guest uh, and you wanted to take a listen to, to his interview. Welcome aboard. I appreciate you guys. Uh, it would be awesome if I could get you to subscribe to the podcast and maybe listen to future episodes or prior episodes too. We've got basically the way I run it down is I do a weekly podcast where I interview a sports figure of some sort. We drop them on Friday mornings. Um, and it's just a good way to learn from uh, people about their sports journeys and how that kind of translates into the real world. And so that's no different today. We're going to be interviewing our guest about his sports journey. We're going to be talking about the sport of soccer, uh, which is a pretty a popular sport down in South America, but uh, in the United States, we're trying to get a little bit more uh, publicity around that sport. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. So I'm excited to hear about his journey um, and and learn from him. So hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening to. And hey, if you guys enjoy the interview, make sure to leave me a five star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show grow. As we are now in 111 countries at the time of this recording, probably going to be more by the time this actually launches in all 50 states in the United States of America. So shout out to everybody who's uh, tuned in. Listen, I'm excited to bring on our guest. It's a it's a guy I met. Um, we were just talking in Orlando a few weeks back uh, at Funnel Hacking Live, which is a marketing conference uh, that ClickFunnels puts on. Came across him, was talking to him, um, and found out that he had uh, a little bit of a sports journey of his own. And so I told him, hey, I want to get you on my show. His name is Jonathan Moreno, and uh, we're going to get to learn about his journey. So Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us, brother. Thank you for inviting me, Shane. It's amazing to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So Jonathan, let's do a, a little bit of a, I guess we're going to introduce you to our guests. We're going to let, let let them know who you, or introduce you to our listeners. We're going to let them know who you are. So Jonathan, uh, where are you from and how long have you been living in the United States for? I'm from uh, Colombia, South America, and I've been living here for 16 years. So I'm more American than Colombian now. So I'm 30. <laughs> All right. Majority of your life now you can say has been in the United States, but you are from Colombia, born and raised in Colombia. Uh, and then moved to the United States in your teen, teen years. You know, when you were talking to me, man, you were talking about uh, soccer, right? Or football, as it's worldwide known, <laughs> not right. in the United States. But yeah, um, here's the interesting thing. You lived in Colombia playing soccer at a high level. When I lived in Brazil for two years, I served a mission for my church down there. That's where I was really introduced to the sport of soccer, like on a worldwide level, like at a high level, understanding what the culture is around soccer, and how different it is than it is in the United States. Like it was wild being down in South America and, and being in Brazil, seeing how, you know, kids, we hear about it all the time here. Like, oh, well, kids will be playing in the streets with their shoes off and their socks off and they'll just be playing with whatever. And then I go there and that's literally the truth. Anywhere that there was a dirt field or any kind of space, even just a road, kids would be, they would put plastic bags together, multiple of them to create a ball and they'd be kicking it around. It's wild to me. And I want to know if that's like when you were growing up, Jonathan, in Colombia, if that was a similar culture. Like, did you guys grow up with if you liked sports, was soccer kind of the main dominant sport there? 
oh yeah well, well to follow up your story well, i remember i used to live i used to be from the small towns you know and then when i used to play a little better then i had to move to the city so but to follow up with your story i remember we used to gather socks around together we would gather a lot of socks together and three or four of us will play we'll play outside in the streets and we will play with any ball and it doesn't matter if it was cars or it was like you know it was motorcycles running around us we will move to the size of the you know that's then, crazy okay keep going, keep going and then we'll have a uh, we'll have the lady that will always be like hey psh. it would throw the ball in her house because some of the the houses don't have any you know so it will, the ball will go inside there and we, that will be all so our goal for us to play in the street was that's our code do not hit the ball over the house because if, if the lady will grab the ball, it will be game over. Oh, man. Yeah, so you had a little fun twist to that story. Like, just don't kick the ball in the house, uh, and then and no. you'll be good. It adds a little complexity to the sport. You know, it's interesting, Jonathan, here in the United States, we don't we don't really see that. You know, it. when I was younger, American football is what we would play in the streets. You know, you'd play anywhere, anywhere and everywhere. Like, we throw a ball everywhere. But, like, soccer, it's just not what – it's getting more popular in the United States, but, like, it's just never been – to that level and that just kind of shows and speaks to the passion and and power of that sport in different countries outside of the united states and that's what i really want to shine a light on here you're out there playing you're putting socks together to create a ball and and you're having fun whether there's cars or not you're out there playing and you play with whomever whatever kid wants to come up and play with y'all like you're, you're playing and i i think that's super cool i um as you were growing up did did any of your parents or siblings or cousins or any close friends were they soccer players or like, and was that kind of one of those things that was, I guess, instilled in you, like from a young age that people say, Hey, like if you want to play soccer, like you got to do this and you got to start really young. Like, I just want to know what the, the upbringing was like, if you had other influences in that sport. Well, uh, most of my cousins will play. So that was my goal. I, I remember, uh, since we live in a small town, you know, I'm from uh, Sopia, so it's like a little country. It's not in the city. It's like in the town, right? So I remember my cousin used to take me, uh, used to take me to play. I used to see him uh, juggle the ball for a thousand. I remember because he would play with the right and the left. So he would juggle the ball with the left and the right until he hit a thousand. So I remember when I was really, really little that I was like, wow, this guy is crazy. He will, he will stay there even if he had cramps in his legs to, you know, to like to hit the goal of a thousand juggles. So that's when I stuck. I'm like, wow, this is nice. So I remember I used to sit, he'll give me a little boy and I used to sit in a rock and see him and see him juggle the ball. And that's when I started. I'm like, wow, this is this is what I wanted to do. But when I was younger, I was really, uh, I was really sick. I used to like suffer from asthma, so I didn't start playing till like I was nine, and that's when it took off. So yeah, like my cousins play a big role on 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 me being a trying to play soccer. You know, I love that though. That's super cool. You know, most of us who compete in any kind of sport, we typically have somebody that we look up to or that we kind of became interested in the sport because of and uh that's cool to hear about your cousin setting the example of like what it's going to take to compete at a high level a thousand juggles like that's tough that's like in the sport of basketball i tell the kids that i coach all the time like you got to go get up at least 500 shots in the morning and they're like oh no that takes too long i'm like well you don't understand like that's what it's going to take to separate you from other people or at least get you up to that level because that's what it takes to compete at a high level so it's cool that you were introduced to that at a young age and kind of understood what it takes 
you know, you mentioned nine, nine years old, Jonathan, nine years old, you started competing. What was soccer like at nine years old in Colombia? Because I want to know, do they have like, I guess, certain leagues or teams that you compete against in different cities when you're nine years old? Kind of like here in the United States, you have basketball and baseball. They call them little league. Uh, they've got football that you can start when you're like seven and play tackle football and stuff like that. So I'm just curious how it was in Colombia um, when you were wanting to actually compete. Did you have teams that you played on and did you have different, you know, leagues that you competed in? Yeah. So um, at a young age, like they started like a seven, like probably five to up, right? Because they start kicking the ball. But then like competitive, competitive, they were like at the age of nine, ten. That's when I remember it started for me. So my grandpa was a huge he was to, he used to take me like to training and everything and yeah it was competitive like you don't understand how football is in our countries it's like everybody wants to play everybody wants to be a pro you know and some i mean like i said since we're not from the city like we had a lot of struggle so doesn't matter if you have good shoes bad shoes doesn't matter you're still gonna compete there so it's a it's a it's a great thing to live in a country that you know the football is just like a religion and and it's pretty amazing. And another thing I can remember is that, um, yeah, most of the kids will will be with their parents, and it's a great culture, you know. It's like it's why we breathe. That's in our blood. <laughs> ah, I love it, man. No, it's so cool, so cool. You know, you um, when did you know that you were good enough to compete at a higher level? Because you were, I mean, from what I understood, is you were able to compete at a higher level at a young age. I mean relatively young before you moved to the United States. So at what point did you say, Hey, like, I'm actually pretty good at this thing. I know everybody around here plays, but I'm actually really good. Like at what point did you realize you could, could actually compete at that level? Well, this is actually a great story because like when I, when I was nine, I wasn't as good. And then like, then I started training, I started training and then, and then I, I was starting to see that I was good with both of my legs. So I would kick with my left and with my right, like the same. So I remember we used to have a coach that, used to have one day that would take us to only play with my left with the with the one that you're not you i hit with my right so one time a week you have to play with the left foot every single time like doesn't matter you cannot touch the right if you touch the right you have to do pull-ups and you have to do stuff so i think that the coach his name is costeño so like wow that was amazing to just do that and then that's when i was like oh my god i like i'm gonna start training more i'm gonna do more and then when I was in my in my school, see everything starts with somebody don't, that doesn't believe in you, right? Yeah. So I was probably um, probably eleven, and I had a coach, and he said some words to me. He said, "I don't think you're ever gonna make it to to pass from this town. You're never gonna go to the city." And wow, well, that stuck to me and for like a year. I doubled myself. I'm like, "Am I gonna make it? Am I gonna play in a professional stadium one day or something?" Which that was my goal, you know, like. A lot of people from our country, from our little towns, uh, our goal is to go to the big city and just play in a stadium, right? That was the goal and be able to compete. And uh, that really stuck to me because like he didn't trust me. So for the next year, for the six months, I was like kind of down, kind of down. And then something clicked for me. My grandpa told me, he like, listen, if you want to be really, really good, train twice a day and don't listen to nobody. So that's exactly what I did into like I was... Uh, 12 to 13, and they will pick the best 25 players of, let's say, Florida, of every state. So I was choose between uh, 
between the best 25 players in my state, which is Caldas from Manizales. And that's when I was able to go to the city now when I was 13, before I came to the US. So it's a crazy roller coaster. So before I came to the US, I was able to almost get there. So that's where it started. At the age of 13. I love that story though. And it kind of, a couple things I want to take away from that is the coach that had you only using your left foot, like your off foot. It's interesting you said that because as I'm listening to you, I'm remembering when I was boxing, there were times that our coach would say, okay, Shane, only your left hand, left hand only, which was my lead hand. So that's usually your like jabs and your non-power punches essentially. So we'd go a whole practice where I was not allowed to throw my right hand, my power punch. He wanted me to work on my lead hand, which is jabs and hooks and just kind of gauging distance. And that helped me so much understanding how to utilize my left hand properly. Cause yeah, everybody wants to throw a power punch in boxing. It's like, yeah, you want it. That's just kind of what you're setting up. But by refraining to do that, I actually gained so much more, I guess, uh, it was just a better calibration with my left hand and doing that makes so much sense, but I've never actually seen a basketball coach, for example, tell a basketball player to use only their left hand in, in one practice out of every week. Right. It's always, it's, I mean, they'll say, Hey, go practice with your left hand and stuff. Like make sure you're good with your left hand, just like you are with your right. But they never really tell a player. And I've never told a player, Hey, this practice, I want you to only make left-handed layups or only throw a pass with your left hand dribble with your left hand. You got to dribble with both hands, but like when you're making a pass, I want it left-handed. If you're going to make any kind of shot, I want it left-handed. That right there just stuck in my mind. That's going to be my players that are listening to this right now are going to be pissed at me because they're going to be like, no, coach is going to make us do with our left hand. But I love that because it helps. The other thing is I love that you said it was your grandfather. I, I love the advice he gave. And one of the pieces of advice he gave is not just working twice a day, but I love that he basically told you to cut out the noise. Don't listen to anybody. Yeah. Like cutting out the noise. That is such an important factor for anybody, not just athletes, anyone in the world today, right? If you can get to the point where you believe in yourself and you just stop listening to everybody, there's social media, there's TV, there's all sorts of noise out there. And you're always going to have somebody that has something to say, whether it's good or bad, but getting to a point where you're just like, I don't, I'm not listening to a single person. And it might be selfish to some people. That's okay. Because obviously you got to get to that point where you can just work, do the work, believe in yourself and block out the noise. That is a skill set I wish more people could acquire. That is amazing because it obviously worked for you as you continue to put the work in and you made it to the city, right? So before coming to the United States, you keep talking about like wanting to get from the country to the city, right? You wanted to get to the city. That's kind of the goal, getting to the city so you can play with some, you know, the, the bigger time soccer. Before you came to the United States, what was that experience like for you as a 13, 14 year old kid? Oh, it was amazing. So um, the thing is that when you come to the U.S., they either give you one year or they or you go back. So I came when I when I was in seventh grade. So I was actually able to stay in the eighth grade, and then some kids would they just drop them to sixth grade. I don't know. It's something weird. Like they will because I came in the middle of the year. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You travel. So it was pretty interesting because my last six months of living in in. Um, in Colombia was like, hey, for three days, I will go to school in the in my town, my little town. And then for the next four days, which is uh, Thursday to Sunday, I will go to the big city and I will, it's funny, we'll stay in, the, in a really small studio in the city with my cousin, that one that I told you, his name is John yeah. Hyder. And then he, and that's why we will walk down the, we will walk down the, there's a lot of hills in Manizales, so it's like, wow, it's crazy, the story, like, to go to the city. So, yeah, 
I will study for three days and I get permission from my school to be able to go play for it because it was like a six month period. So I will get permission to play from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday to go to the, and then the, the it's called Selección Calda. So they will pay for everything. They will pay for, they will pay for my food. They will pay for my traveling. So, so in that moment, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe I actually like, you know, I actually got out of from the, from the town, my small town, you know, and we actually competed like from 12 to 13. I actually competed a lot. I had to go like tryouts for like seven or eight months to go compete with like hundreds of kids, thousands of kids until they actually call you. So I remember when they, when, I, when my coach told me, Hey, you, you, you pass. So I think during that year, 2003, that's when I was, I got a call saying that, Hey, you can go to the city now. So that was great. That was a great story. I, I'm taking notes. If, if you see my head come down, I take notes on, on my phone when people are talking uh, because I, I'm smiling because it's such a cool thing to me as I'm putting myself in your shoes. I think a lot of people, um, they take stuff like that for granted. And I'm not going to speak for everyone, but being born and raised in the United States, that story right there would never resonate with me or the people I grew up around, right? Like how cool that is to be able to make it at that young of an age, right? But you were that good that you made it. And like the little the little perks that you got to stay with your cousin and you're in the city and a couple days a week you're out there and they're paying for this stuff. And like, you basically made it. And and I don't think people realize the struggle and what, what goes on behind the scenes to get there. And you did it, right? So I, I just think it's so cool. It's like, dude, that's almost, um, I don't know. It's, it's like you lived the dream when you were 13 years old. Like, it's the coolest thing. Um, what was the competition like in the city when you finally got to that level of competition compared to what you were, cause you said like you guys were, I mean, you were good when you're, you know, playing with your, with your teams back home. But like when you got there and you were playing with the, the bigger, higher level, uh, soccer players, what was the competition like? What was the training like? Was it different? Was it more intense? Uh, talk to us about that. Oh, definitely was more intense. So, um, I remember I was still living in the city, but I would like to walk. So I would like to like kind of warm up, even though I can take like a bus to go to the stadium. I would leave probably like 15 to 15 minutes to go to the stadium. So I would probably walk to like warm myself up. Ah, and, okay. and and in Manizales, there's a lot of hills and a lot of things. So it's like, oh, okay, this is nice. So it gave me time to like, to like, you know, to get prepared to when I when I go there and play. But definitely it was like the best of the best 25 players of, of the state. So it's like you see people. So... When I got there, I saw people that were that were also kicked with the left foot. So I was see I was seeing a lot of things that I'm like, whoa, yeah, th thank God I I was able to acquire <laughs> that skill, you know. And then we will. The good thing about when when they pick you from the from there is that you actually go and and go to the where where the professional team train. So it's like we will go there and we will actually see where they train, the nice fields, and we will go in the bosses. And it was a great, it was a great to experience that. It's a great feeling. Like it's nice time, you know? So oh, yeah. it's brutal. Like we, we would train like twice a day too as well. And then it was like, it was great. So that is, let's see, that can translate to any sport. And I want people to realize this. If you want to compete at the next level of any of your sports that you're competing in right now, what Jonathan just said right there is interesting. I mean, he gets there and there's other dudes that are kicking with their left foot, right? Where he, he was separating himself back home, like training in those, those, that type of thing and, and doing that stuff. Well, he gets to the next level and guess what? There's other guys already doing that. I always tell people that Jonathan, like whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is, right? 
when you get to the next level, like we do it in high schools here, as you're probably fully aware, right? And and a lot of kids are like, oh, well, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to play. Well, sometimes you're the best high school player at your high school. But when you get to college, even the smaller colleges, everybody was their best player in high school. So like you get to the next level and it's like, oh, everybody's on this level. So now it's a whole, that's where you see a lot of people that may not have the mindset for it. They crumble a little bit because they're like, man, I'm not used to having this competition. I'm used to being the best. I'm not used to having to like compete like this. Um, so I guess I would ask you that same question when you got there and you saw all that, did you feel like you elevated your game or did you struggle to get that mindset of, Hey, I gotta, I gotta compete with these guys. I'm no longer the quote unquote top dog. We've got 25 dudes here that can do the same thing. So the competition was brutal. So, uh, I mean, whoever would train best in, in, uh, doing training, then they will pick, they will pick the best 11 to, to go and compete to to play games every weekend because like i said for six months we will go to different cities to like play games so i remember for the first weeks i wasn't able to get in i wasn't able to get in i didn't understand why i'm like oh man like am i gonna make it or something and it's like so you have to do a tryout before like you can go and play there right so uh what what changes for me was um i was I w i'm always like really open to talk to people and give me advice and everything so i was i was I was honestly good with my ball legs, but I wasn't able to come back and defend sometimes. So I'm like, why? Wow, if I really want to make it here, I have to do the work, like do the things that made me uncomfortable because I, I really didn't like to go get the ball and, you know, defend. So you have to defend and attack at the same rate when you pray there, because if not, you, you're not going to be able to make it. So that's one of the lessons I learned. I'm like, hey, I need to, I'm, I'm, if I'm good offensively, I have to be good defensively too, because that, that was a great thing there. So yeah, man, it was great. It was awesome. Your example there is awesome. I want athletes taking note, rewind what Jonathan just said and uh, take note of that because you didn't make it at first. Like there's a lot of time and you're probably doubting and you're like, what do I got to do? Well, then you put work on the defensive side of the game. You put working on the offensive side of the game. Like you had to be a very well-rounded player to kind of be able to, to make your case that you got to be chosen as one of those 11 that got chosen like you had to do that um the most elite athletes are the ones who can do it on both sides of the floor i've always been of the belief like hey i'm i wasn't an elite athlete i'm a great shooter in basketball phenomenal i was always good at that always that's been my strength but defensively i'm not the fastest i'm strong so i can defend people in the post but there are limits to my game when it comes to playing defense like I, to defend on the perimeter is hard for me against faster guards because i'm just not as quick as them and that's one thing that I wish I would have taken more pride in as a younger athlete. I'm 34 now, but if I was going, you know, flashback when I was in my teens, that would have been a big, you know, adjustment for me. I would have done exactly what you were just saying. I would have equally put in the time there because that's where you separate yourself. If you can be a well-rounded athlete, I love hearing that. Now, Jonathan, did you have like a favorite memory or a favorite game or a favorite stadium um, that you got to play in that you could talk about when you were, uh, playing even as a team down there in Colombia. Well, yeah, this this was actually a pretty good story because, okay, you do the tryouts and at the end, like my goal was to play in a professional stadium. I didn't even know that I was going to go to the U.S. at 14. So I wouldn't know. I don't know what my story would have been differently if I would have stayed there, you know? Right. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be able to finally go to the stadium and play, right? So, um, yeah, I was starting to play really good and then the coaches starting to... Um, to take good uh, good notice of that and then and then they were saying listen we're gonna play a game and before we so we will play a game before the professional team will play 
So it was pretty intense. Like we will go in the stadium and there was already people coming in the stadium. So I remember, I remember the gate. So the name of the stadium is Palo Grande. You can, you guys can search it up. So this is a great story because uh, the team from there is called Once Caldas. And that team beat Boca Juniors, which is one of the biggest clubs in the world. And in 2004, they beat them. So it's like, wow. So I'm, I'm actually almost achieving, you know? So when I, when I got in the stadium and I saw the gate and then we were walking to the stands to sit down, right? And then I just remember I went like this. I turned my head to the sides and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. I made it. So what changed there was like, so I didn't start that game, right? And then the minutes keep passing by, keep passing by, keep passing by. And I'm like, oh man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play. So the second half started, and I'm like, hey, I'm still not gonna play. So I, I keep see a lot of a lot of doubts in my mind when the coaches will tell me, hey, you're not good enough, all of this. You know, that came in my mind when I'm like, hey, I'm not gonna make it, I'm not gonna play. So for the then the last 30 minutes, you know, the soccer game is 90 minutes. So the last 30 minutes, the coach called me. And I remember I, I was warming up and I was already a lot of people in the stadium. So I was like, wow, this is sick. So that's when I started warming up. And I, and like I said, I remember standing in the middle of the field, right? I was right there standing in the middle of the field. And then I just remember my grandpa and all my family. I like, oh, I actually made it. So, and then I remember I started juggling. So we have like a little thing that you do in the field. And I mean, most players do it in Colombia. So you touch the grass, right? So I grab the grass. And I give myself like something like this, you know, like a, like a blessing. Yeah. And, and I played 30 minutes in there. And I remember I kicked the ball like from side to side. Man, it's so many years, but it was amazing. Like that's when I knew I was like, wow, this is this is a great, great little thing. I, I actually was able to play in a professional stadium. So that was really yeah. That's it's got me smiling because I'm I, like, again, I'm just trying to put myself in your position and just imagining like, OK, the hard work, even the doubts. You mentioned the doubts crept in. That's another thing for athletes. I would, I mean, this is something that I'm learning. I'm learning tons from you, Jonathan. This is why I was excited to interview you, because even though you had you would overcome a lot, you had you had already kind of made it to to this level. Um, you still had to overcome adversity by trying to make it onto the 11 man roster. And then you still had to overcome that because there's still the there's only a certain amount of people who get to actually play like so you hadn't played yet you didn't start, and so there's even though you had made it there's still doubts that cre uh, creep into people's minds. I think a lot of kids get down on themselves for having doubts, but that's going to happen. Even professional athletes that are playing at the highest level in the NBA or the NFL or the MLS, whatever it is, they have doubts. That there's always going to be that doubt, but they have a mentality and a work ethic that gets them past that. And there's a certain belief that they have to put into their system to try to get past that. So I think it's super cool just to hear all that and, and, and seeing where you're at now. You've talked about moving to the United States. And I wanted to ask you, like, what took you to the United States? You said you didn't even know that was even a possibility. That wasn't in your mind, right? Like, you didn't know you were going to leave the United States, right, at 14? So yeah. how did we get to the United States? What was the story behind coming to the U.S.? I mean, so the main goal for me was to be a professional soccer player, right? So so I did those six months and then I received a call from my mom saying that she wanted my sister and us to, to travel to the U.S. So it's like I was really excited because I was raised by I was raised by my grandparents in that small town. So it's like, OK, I lived this life in a small town. Then I moved to the city and then and then when that's when I realized, OK, I'm, I'm going to go because I miss my mom a lot. So and for professional players too, like. If you get if you get hurt, that's it. Like, what what will your life be like that? So I always had that in my mind. I need to have a second backup plan. I'm like, okay, if I move to the U.S., 
maybe I could play there, maybe I could have a better career, better stuff. So that was the motivation to come to the U.S. My mom was here for seven years, struggling and everything to be able to take us over there. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm leaving. So I kind of left my professional career in, in there. But, you know, I was able to play in the stadium. And it was, like I said, it, it just you, I want to uh, give you thank you for for meeting you in, in front of Hacking Live and having the moment because I can actually share my story. Oh, yeah, absolutely, brother. I've been this in years, so, like, you really asked some great questions because, like, you brought me to a lot of stuff that, you know, that I don't, that I don't even remember. <laughs> no, I'm glad. I'm glad we can kind of, like, scratch this up and, like, resurface it a little bit. I think it's super cool, you know. So, Jonathan, you mentioned, like, you left your professional career there, though. Like, did you get a chance to play soccer in the United States at all? Or did you, when you came here, did you, like, kind of give that up I, i'm just curious like because i wanted to see if there was any kind of differences in the competition here as compared to where you were at in colombia well yeah no i was actually here i was actually trying to make it and everything so when that was back in 2010 i graduated 2010 so uh, soccer wasn't as big as right now because mls is growing like huge now so i remember yeah when i came here my mom take took me to uh to play and she already uh she already took me to different cities to play and to try it out so i remember i didn't speak no english at all so i had a really nice coach he will pick me up two hours where he lived and i have a little translator trying to talk to him to see in there because in colombia i used to play in the midfield right so i i, I wasn't able to score too many goals but when i came here i become a forward so i was scoring a few goals there so it was I got some good stories too here. Like I was able to um I was able to like you know play some games and stuff. And in well, high school I played about it. Yeah, go ahead. When I went into high school for my freshman year, I made varsity for in my freshman year. So it was it was great. We had a great players, great team there. And it was nice for me to be like 17 or 18 playing with like 22, you know. It's crazy. That that's crazy. So where did you go to high school at? Was it in Florida? Is Florida, it yeah. Cypress Creek High School. I, I play here, yeah. So interesting because in, in Florida, and I'm sure you know this now, but Florida's known for like football players, like the south oh, yeah. of the United States. I mean, football is is king in the south of the US. Um, that's where like some of the top dog football players are. But I am curious about I mean, they, they they breed athletes in Florida, man. It's just wild. Athletes all over the board. It doesn't have to be football players. It's there's also a ton of basketball talent that comes out of Florida. What was the talent like for soccer in comparison to what you were used to in Colombia? Like, what you said, you had some good players on your team. Did you find that it was like similar talent? What was there any major differences to the game itself? Not, when I was playing in, in the clubs, I will I wouldn't see like too much of like you know I will I will. I will I would see some players that would play good, but some of the players that would take it just like for fun. And and it was pretty good. That's another thing I, I actually take from here. I've like, I wasn't accustomed to, to take me out of the game. I will be really mad. Well, I'm really competitive. I hate to lose on anything. So I will I would I wouldn't like the coach to take me out of the take me out of the of the team. You know, if I'm playing good, like what will you take me out? But I, I learned that here that it's a game that you have to have fun too, and you can come in and come out in 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 our country, if you come out, that's it. You cannot go back into the game. But in here, when I was playing in, in the league, you can come in and out. So that's one of the things I didn't understand. I'm like, what is this? I didn't want to get out. I want to continue playing, scoring goals and all of this. And then, yeah, when I got into the high school, that's when I was like, oh, because I, I saw a lot of South American people that will play good. So I'll have a lot of Peruvians, a lot of people from Brazil. 
that will be the defenders, the programs will be the, the midfielders, and I will be the forward. So we actually had a great team because it was a lot of cultures mixed. See, people that play people that play soccer will be like different cultures. So I learned a lot from that. I was like, wow, we have a lot of different cultures in there. So we, we actually it was competitive. So we actually got to semifinals in high school and we were, we got a good team. We, we can never break the final thing, but we were actually competing good. So that competitive is still in my blood. It's still, if I go play right now, go play five by five, I still, I still have that. Yeah. So that I, was, cool, yeah. I love it, man. And, and, you know, soccer, just like most sports there, it's universal with the language too. I mean, obviously you mentioned you couldn't, you had to use a translator with your coach and so forth. But what I mean is when you get out there to play, different kids from different cultures, different places, different countries. Typically speaking, you can figure out, uh, you can try to figure out like where you're supposed to be. It makes it a little difficult if you don't speak the same actual language, but the game is universal. And that's, what's really cool about soccer to me is it's seriously worldwide. Um, and I, I just absolutely, absolutely dig it. Um, what advice would you give to the younger athletes that are wanting to compete at the next level? I mean, you, you got to compete at a high level in Columbia at a very young age. You were competing in high school here in the United States. Is there a certain, you know, what, what advice would you give them in regards to what mentality they need to have, what the training is going to be like? Like, what do they have? Like, some people think it's going to be all fun and games, but if they're really serious about it, what advice would you give them? I mean, I just think, like, you you by yourself will figure it out if, you know, like, if you're competitive or if, if you have the talents, but sometimes it's not even about the talents. I didn't have that much of a talent. I started playing when I was eight or nine, right? So I was like, hey, I'm going to train hard. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be able to make it. So just like train hard, whatever, you know, if you're good with the left, play with the right. Like that's something that stuck to me in my mind always. Like you always have to be good with everything, with, with every part of your body you can play with, you know, because, you know, a lot of people only play with one part of the leg but if you play with the other leg it will be good same with basketball same with football so and that's another thing i was really i was good at being offensive but i didn't know how to defend so i think you have to be an overall player at least just to prove yourself you can compete then then time will tell you hey listen the coaches will see hey this guy is running this guy is so i'm actually saying do the work and then they will they will notice it your coaches or your parents, they will notice it. And actually, too, like if you if you have your parents, if you have if you're not good at something, hey, go go with your cousin, go with you like train more than you're supposed to, and you're able to achieve more things, you know. Totally, man. I love that. I hope everybody takes note of what you just said. That is awesome. And and again, I, I'll reiterate a well-rounded player. You talked to again about being a well-rounded player. If you do that stuff, you put in the work, the coaches will notice whether you think they will or not. Some kids get all caught up. Ah, the coach doesn't see what I'm doing. I'm so good and I don't get to play. Now, do the coaches will notice. Uh, just put in the work and keep trusting the process. Now, Jonathan, I met you at Funnel Hacking Live. We mentioned it a couple times, right? You're an entrepreneur, man. You, you're, you're into business. You're doing your thing now. What would you say is one of the biggest skill sets that you took from your days playing soccer at a high level, competing in the sport of soccer, that you've translated into your your business life now. Well, actually, I I traveled the U.S. doing first and festival, so it was it was pretty awesome because I started doing flea markets, taking photos of. Uh, you see my kid right here. I was I. That's what I do. I take photos. I put it in frames, and then I took a lot of lessons. Like, why my I started my journey in a flea market, so it's like 
again, I'm like, hey, I only got 10 people to sell a day. So I'm like, listen, I have to sell those 10 people the most I can. So I, I was actually starting to uh, be able to sell some big packages in there. So I was every time I have some time off, I would think, what is the best strategy for me to make big sales? So me to uh, sell them, so me to connect with them, because when I was actually connecting with them, that's when I was getting the money and the sale was easy. So it's a lot of things that comes to my my mind with that. And then as like I used to have a partner and, and we used to open in the mall. So when I went to the flea market to the mall, I'm like, that's another set of skills. You get more people in the mall. But since I trained like seven or eight years in the flea market, calling people, getting rejections, you know, having no sales until the end. Like I remember it till eight o'clock at night, I will have any sale, but then at eight, I will sell 100, 150. I'm like, wow, this is, I actually make some money, even though seven hours I didn't sell. So like sticking to the process of calling people and, and doing the work, and then you get the results at the end. And then that's when I was like, wow, that's great. So when I went to the mall, it was a different story. It was a lot of people. And then I was like, okay, all the skills I got in the flea market, I was able to transfer it to the mall. And then now what I do is I travel the US doing first and festivals with my photo business. And then and then and that's it. If I want to win a contract, that's another one too. I'm like, hey, sometimes I will I will have a fair in Naples. So I'm like, they didn't they didn't answer. I'm like, well, I'm gonna get in there. I called three times. I sent three emails, nothing. So you know what I did? I went and drove four hours to Naples and I say, Hey, listen, I know you don't have no space, but do you you think you have a space right now? And they will say, yeah, they have a space. So I've been doing that for, for four years, but that's a good lesson right there. Like I, I, I didn't take no for an answer. I, I went even there and I met with a person to win the contract. So even with sales, even with contracts, I still have the mentality in mind. Yo, dude, that's what I want to hear though. That's the exact thing I want to hear is that like you have that perseverance, that mentality. I love the example of, of the flea market, like seven hours of nothing. And then all of a sudden you can get some, but that's the whole point of like sports are the same way, put in the process, put in the work, no guarantee of this or that, but you just put in the work, trust the process. And eventually things should happen for you, right? They will. It's been proven over and over, but you don't really know exactly when put in the time, put in the effort, the perseverance, the competition, like you figured out, like you might not have known it at first, like what you needed to do, but you figured it out. You got outside of your comfort zone, driving four hours down to Naples for that, just to, to figure out like, Hey, not even a guarantee if you're going to have a spot there, but you do what you got to do to get it done. Right. Like that's sometimes what you got to figure out. Like there's not always a, it's not always going to be peaches and cream, dude. It's always, there's going to be adversity and hiccups and road bumps, but you do what you got to do to get it done. So you're innovative. You're a hard worker. You've got the competitive mindset and you put in the work and trust the process. That is why you're successful at business too. I think it's so cool because you can, tr you can look at the parallels between sports and life. And people can look at athletes and say, oh, they're just, they're stupid athletes. They're not very smart. They don't care about, no, dude, I disagree. I think you can take so many things that you learn through your sports journey and translate them directly into your regular life. And it's obviously proven that you're able to do that. Do you have a website, Jonathan, or anything for your, your photo uh, business that you could maybe provide us so that I can put it in the description of this podcast? Yeah, we're on Instagram on their one shot souvenirs. So you guys, you guys can check us in there. I do all personalized item, coffee mugs, frames. Any shot souvenirs with photography, yeah. One shot souvenirs, just like that. Awesome. I'm gonna follow you on Instagram. I'm gonna pop this into the description of the podcast so people can go and check it out as well. And uh that way 
we can give you a, a little bit of a follow here. I'm, I'm stoked for you, man. This is cool. Uh, what's the next steps for Jonathan Moreno uh, right now? Like, what are you planning on doing next with your business? You, I mean, obviously, it's always a growing process. Do you have any goals in mind that you're trying to achieve? Well, so now I became my dad. So I was like, well, Congrats. I love to travel. I like to do all the stuff, you know, but uh, I like to spend more time with my wife and my baby now. So, yeah, my goal is for the next 10 years, just uh, grow a, a business that I can work from home. And, and you know, I'm still going to work because I, I hate to stay still. Like, man, uh, once you start working and everything, but I want to transfer to the digital part of the business now i want to do like my i'm finishing up uh, ebook so these are actually a pretty nice that you interview me because i was actually writing a story and i gave it to my mom like two years ago man you know like and there's a lot of projects that are on pause right now too like i i wrote a story to my mom exactly about this interview kind of like what my story and then and all the struggles that she got when we were here so that's the second part of the story that i want to write in the book but it's going to tie up to my story with football. So that's where I'm working right now, doing all my, my book and launching my, my coaching program and teaching other people how you can take the, the, all the skills you have from learning sports, you can transfer it to business. And I think that's, that's my goal for the next 10 years, you know, create a little more. That's awesome, man. And you're going to definitely do that. One, when you get the book written, I want a copy and a signed copy. I will pay you for it. Uh, so definitely let me know whenever that happens in the, in the, in the future, when the book's ready, I'm, I'm reading it. Uh, so stay in touch with me for that. And I will push that out to my audience as well. And then two, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, you're going to be able to put all this stuff that you've learned. You've been going to, you can put that into the digital space. That's kind of what my forte is. I've seen many people do it. So that's going to all the goals that you have to be home with your, your, your wife and your child and be able to do those things and be present while you're still grinding and working. That's all possible. All of those things are, it's actually more than possible. It's probably going to free up a lot of your time and, and efforts, and you're probably going to maximize some potential there too. So super cool. We're, we're, we're cheering for you, man. And you got a fan in me, brother. Um, I just want to say thank you for joining the show and being willing to share your story. And if there's anything you ever need from me, you just let me know, but thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you so much, Shane, and the audience for tuning in and listening to the story. And yeah, like sports, sports is amazing, man. I'm really glad you're doing this, uh, this show. You know, it's like it's not all the professional players. A lot of us have a lot of goals and a lot of, you know, like most of us have goals to be able to, you know, to achieve. Which it was professional. I was, I was really wanting to be a professional player, but then when I came here, I was like, wow, maybe. It wasn't the goal. Maybe the goal was, hey, I can have a consistent income to be able to help my mom and be able to do that. That's when it came to business. So it's like, I don't know where your goal will be in life is if if you want that. But sometimes, you know, life takes you to another different road. And that's what it did for me. You know, like I still love football. I still love soccer. And, I, you know, like that's my blood. You know, every time I talk about it, I get goosebumps, man. This is crazy. So, <laughs> But that's the goal, like to... I know sometimes, you know, we have ideas and they don't come into fruition, but maybe something else is going to come your way and that's going to make it better. So just stay there, do the work and everything is going to be great. So thank you for the interview, man. It was a great I have a great time. I feel like talking with a friend. No, absolutely. Me too, brother. I, I'm so glad you were able to share it with us, man. And I love the insight and I, and I, and I love what you just said right there too. I mean, dude, I could go on and on about this podcast. And when I started this initially, I wanted to work for ESPN. I wanted to be a sports analyst for ESPN. I started my own show just to kind of get a resume built up and kind of like see if I could even do this. And then I realized I'm like, no, I want to, I don't want to work for ESPN. I want to build my own brand. And like, see, like you said, goals shift sometimes, right? 
they but do. you still you still can do things. Life takes you in different directions, but you can still do things that you enjoy doing. You can translate skill sets from one thing to the other. I love that you just said that. I think, yeah, yeah, we're going to be chatting for quite some time after this podcast is over. I, I appreciate you, man. And for all the listeners out there, if you guys enjoyed this interview, which I know you did, make sure to leave us a five-star review and let us know what you liked about it on Apple Podcasts. That helps get the show out to more and more people as we continue to grow this platform. And we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.